This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Hey everyone, it's Oscar here. Wanted to send out a quick correction for some of the content that's in the episode. We talk a lot about the double slants or line concept as a third down call that Shanahan likes to go to. And that is true, but we misidentified the concept on the specific play that we talk about. And that is that uh, the long touchdown pass to George Kittle in the game against Arizona. Turns out that in that game, the call wasn't the lion concept. It wasn't double slants. It was in fact a concept that looks very similar, uh, except for there's a third route to the same side. It's a concept called stick cougar. And while we're not going to detail it, just know that the two receivers to the inside do run routes that are effectively like two slant routes. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about is the same, but there's a third route by Emmanuel Sanders that is important on the play and actually changes the entire concept to that side. So while the the double slants concept is still something Shanahan goes to on third down, the concept, we misidentified that concept on that third down. So honestly, it's been eating at us for a couple of days since we noticed the error. So we want to get you the most accurate information. We really pride ourselves on that. And so forgive the error. It's been eating at us, but that's why we wanted to get this slight correction out on the front of the pod. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet at us. But without further ado, here's the pod. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, it's the week we've been building towards, the week we've been waiting for. It is time to drill down and take a look at Kyle Shanahan's favorite passing concepts. And with me this week, ready to stage his very own draft day photo shoot, it's David Newman. Hello. Uh, Talk to me about this photo shoot. Uh, I feel like it's now my own personal mission to make the intro something you've never heard of. I like I, I like introducing you to the world in the first five it's, minutes of the pod. It's not difficult. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a low bar to clear. So, uh, Cliff Kingsbury finally admitted that his draft day photo was staged. He said, "Quote: Going into it, I knew I was going to be super extra in the picture. I do think the fire, it was a hundred degrees and sunny, was a bit much." And I just I love that he. He just refers to himself as extra at this point. And, and that's, that's exactly how the world should view him. Just a, just a little extra. Oh, man. I don't remember. I'm trying to pull up the picture uh, again, but I don't remember the fire. Oh, okay. There it is. The fire. Yeah. Yeah. Outside in the middle. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to see what kind of photo shoot you stage at this point. I'm, I'm looking for four phones. I'm looking for all of the, all of the recreation here. I'm just saying, no one wants to see this. I'm wearing a, a shirt that's been spit up on multiple times today. Like, <laughs> no, it, it's it's not sexy. Nobody wants this. <laughs> oh man! Well, we've got a lot to get to this episode. We we've really been building towards the this fun, at least fun part for us is really the last couple of weeks. We've talked a bit about how to identify coverages, how to attack coverages, all I think in service of getting to this episode right here, which is how Shanahan specifically attacks coverages. And we'll get to that in the main section of the pod. But before that, we've got some news. The team has reported. We've got some rundown stories. And there's a lot of players returning from injury, David, uh, some of which are not on the pup 
They're officially on the PAP, the physically able to perform list, which is good news. Got Jarek McKinnon, Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, DJ Jones, all not on the injured list. So setting DJ Jones aside for a second, of the offensive players, which of them is going to make the biggest impact in 2021, David? Go. Ooh. Um, God, do I have to pick one? Yes, that's Can the question. I say, is there a D, none of the above? No. Um, I, I think of I would those go... players, the biggest impact, even if that impact is one yard. Uh, let's go... Let's go McKinnon. I feel like what, what, there was a mailbag episode or something like that where we talked a little bit about McKinnon and uh, and how there's, I mean, a real chance for him to, I think, kind of carve out significant time in this backfield if he is actually healthy and resembling the player that we knew before injury. Um, so I, I think, yeah, that's the one that I would go with. He has the clearest path, I think, to significant playing time. Yeah, and, and the opportunity, I think, it is really what, what it comes down to. Um, yep. I uh, I would probably say Jarek McKinnon as well. Trent, Trent Taylor probably comes in second. I think the Jalen Hurd hype's a year too early. I think next year is really if he's going to do anything the year that he does something. Uh, but other news, John Lynch extended to 2024. Kyle Shanahan extended to 2025. Rift between coach and GM confirmed. I mean, why, why would you do that if they, they just don't hate each other? That's that's the only takeaway I have from this scenario. No, the basically this is it, it was completely expected. Shanahan, I didn't know this. Apparently, the the rush to get him a new deal was that he was underpaid as a head coach. He came in kind of under the salary, but John Lynch came in at the top end of GMs apparently, which John Lynch masterclass in negotiation. Yeah, exactly right. Brand new GM, first time on the job, but he managed to negotiate himself one of the top GM salaries in the NFL. Why? Because he knew that he was the guy. Like he pitched himself to Shanahan before he pitched himself to the Niners. And so it was one of those things where like the Niners are trying to appease Shanahan and like, who's your guy? Lynch. And Lynch is like, okay, I'm gonna put you over a barrel now. And <laughs> I'm going not only not only do you have to match my broadcaster salary, but I'm your guy. Like I'm I'm the I'm the handpicked guy. It, it really is it's 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 a it's a rule for life. You're <laughs> never gonna be more valuable to an employer than when they want you and they don't have you maximize that leverage go get it man yeah props that is that is wild that he came in as one of the highest gm especially when you consider that shanahan who was one of the hottest coaching candidates like is under like that just whole dynamic is is very funny looking back on it now i know it really is but shanahan's really the engine that makes us go i like john lynch that it was funny that a lot of people when the whole extension thing was happening we're talking about adam peters and worried about adam peters and what would happen to him and people were thinking that maybe john lynch would get promoted in like this kind of weird uber personnel czar on top of everything and still be the face of the franchise but that adam peters would get promoted to gm this seems to put kind of the kibosh on that it doesn't seem like lynch is going anywhere at least until after 2024 as a general manager Seems to me like Adam Peters is going to be a general manager sooner rather than later. It probably just isn't going to be with the 49ers. Yeah, and that's just like the nature of uh, actually seeming to put together a successful organization, right? You you do that by first having talented people around, and we knew that there were guys like this in the front office that were going to, um, at least at first, right, do I think a lot of the heavy personnel lifting while kind of John Lynch got his feet wet and, and got used to what was going on there. And um those guys, as you have success, are naturally going to leave and and go find bigger jobs other places, right? It's going to happen with uh, front office personnel. It's going to happen with assistant coaches. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. You have to be able to kind of keep replacing that. And hopefully, you know, the guys that we have in charge of this whole thing and Shanahan and Lynch are, are good enough at continuing to identify, you know, younger, talented people to step up and fill those roles. We've got some signings. New personnel, David. Jordan Reed. It's an incentive-laden deal, but since he didn't play in 2019, those incentives are not likely to be earned. Uh, this is good for the 49ers cap this year, uh, but next year those those cap kind of those cap hits may come later. If you're confused about the whole not likely to be earned, likely to be earned incentive structure, uh, which I often am, it's it's actually a lot simpler than you think. Basically, the NFL says, "Did you do it last year? If so." you're likely to do it this year. If not, you're not likely to do it. 
Well, Jordan Reed didn't play football last year. <laughs> so they're, they're, it's, it's not like, what, what did you do the last time you played? It's what did you do last year? And because he didn't do anything, any incentive at this point is going to be not likely to be earned. And against the cap, what that means is that any not likely to be earned incentive doesn't actually hit the cap until after the year it's earned. So if Jordan Reed hits his incentives in 2020, then the money from those not likely to be earned incentives hits in 2021. It's a creative way to kick the cap cat, kick the cap can down the line for someone like Jordan Reed. Uh, because honestly, I think the Jordan Reed signing in the abstract is just like the Jason Verrett signing. Yep. I love it for lots of reasons. I love it because he's an incredibly talented player. He's a fantastic receiver when healthy. And because it's an incentive-laden deal, if it, if, if it pays off, if he's able to stay healthy and play, he's a fantastic second tight end. He really is. But if it doesn't work out, just like Jason Verrett last year, you're really not, you're not pinning all your hopes on it. Yeah, uh, I think the only thing that I would add, like I, I agree completely with everything you said there, um, is expectation-wise, like I would I would also like add that just like with Jason Verrett, the most likely thing here is that he doesn't do anything of note, right? Like I, I think that's kind of what you have yeah. to frame your expectations around. Like, yes, he's obviously a talented player. If you get a full healthy season, which like I don't know, actually I don't have it pulled up. Uh, I don't know that he's ever done that in his entire career, played a full sixteen game. So like, um, you know, if you if you get that, or even if you say let's let's say you get twelve games out of him, twelve healthy games, right? Uh, like, sure, that's awesome, and and like your offense is definitely going to be better for it, being able to pair a tight end of that caliber with Kittle, um, and have another body in the middle of the field to to kind of eat all of the stuff that they like to go to. But you just you can't bank on that. Like you're you're going into the season not really expecting to get anything out of Jordan Reed, and if you do, it's all bonus. Yeah, another player that I wouldn't be super like pinning my hopes on in terms of high expectations is Dion Jordan, edge rusher that the Niners have not completed the contract, but he is likely going to get signed. Another player that is similarly kind of you know a, a talented player. He was drafted in the first round overall, but. It's not someone who has, I think Ian Rappaport said that he flashed in his two sacks in Oakland. I was like, that's pump the brakes a little bit, Rappaport. Like, I don't know that flashed is the right word here. I don't know that we're agreeing on what that word really means in the English language right now. Um, I flashed in the pickup basketball game that I played in uh, six months ago or fucking a year ago. whatever. Yeah, you played in that pickup game a year ago. You played for seven minutes and you made one bucket. Like look, this, this is and that this bucket was straight fire. All right, I flashed <laughs> on that one. Who knows when I might be able to put that together for a full game? But it's mostly because people don't know you're left-handed, and so they always guard your right, and then you straight move to the left, and it just leaves it. Just it, there's just an array of ankles on the floor. Once they correct, things begin look, to kind of you know come to equilibrium. I'm, I'm just saying, bit. feed me the rock early. All right, feed me that rock early. <laughs> Let me get it. Well, the two sacks that Deion Jordan had uh, in Oakland, one of them was a cleanup sack where he actually gets moved off his spot entirely. And, and the other is an, a completely unblocked pressure where he, the, just the, the, the protection gets screwed up. The, the C's part, he's in the B gap and he just runs in and, and sacks the quarterback. So I wouldn't say he's flashed in his time in Oakland. But what he is, is a cheap depth player that has upside because he's talented and he's incredibly athletic. But I wouldn't pin your hopes on it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know this was happening and I like, don't care. I am a little bummed about Demontre Moore because it seems like that's the, the area where Demontre Moore would have gotten, uh, some, some reps and some time. I do think more, you know, is, is another inexpensive option. But yeah. the, the thing about Moore for as much as I love him is you have to remember he was available last year. He was available in the middle of the year. He is the replacement level player. He is readily available. That skill is readily available. And you can find depth players with some upside that were drafted highly with some athleticism in the NFL at different times. So th this may not be the last time in case there's some injuries that we hear about DeMontre Moore. But at least right now, the team is going down the Deion Jordan route. And, and you can kind of see why. So lastly, two players have opted out. Sean Coleman, Travis Benjamin, they opted out due to COVID. Uh, respect to that decision. I can't imagine it's difficult. Uh, or I can't imagine it's easy. The decision is difficult. Sean Coleman uh, didn't know this. He recovered from cancer in his youth. And wow. so he he feels like, yeah, I know. 
he feels like he may be at risk, which, yeah, I, yeah. I would absolutely opt out. Um, and Travis Benjamin, you know, similarly, these decisions are difficult. The, the players get $150,000 stipend against their future salary. It's not like they're getting this money and it's like, here you go, here's 150 k to opt out. It's like, this is basically a loan off of next year's salary. And, and their contract's toll. They're under contract next year. Sean Coleman would have been a free agent in 2021 at the end of the season had he played this year. But since he is opting out, that pushes to next year. So he will be a Niner in 2021, and then he becomes a free agent in 2022. Travis Benjamin signed a one-year deal. So basically, that can is kicked down the line as well. So uh, I'm glad that they made the decision that was right for their families. Uh, I wish them the best of health. And, uh, and man, uh, hopefully there's a little bit of cap savings there to throw at Kittle. You can just line the carpet when he walks into 49ers headquarters with hundreds is really what we need right there. Um, so that's all really the main stories. Starting to get more stories out here. Um, you know, it, it does feel like things are progressing. The Niners opened up that their, their gym is individual tents. Have you seen this, David? No. They're individual tents outdoors. And, and every player has like their own weight set up and they're six feet apart. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. It's awesome. Nice. Um, I'm just hoping that that football doesn't shut down after like three weeks. I'm hoping they don't go the baseball route. I'm just trying not to think about it. Like if I just don't really entertain it, like maybe it'll, I'll just be surprised and football will, will be here in a month. Who knows? Yeah, I hope. Let's hope. Well, let's get to the meat of the episode though. Let's get to the situational favorite past concepts from Shanahan. We're going to really narrow the scope of what we're going to look at because we, we can't really take a look at every single play and every single game. And so what we're going to try to do is review some, basically reduce the scope and use a framework to review certain types of plays. So the, the scope of review is basically the, what we're describing as base concepts. And that means looking at plays when the score or game situation isn't dictating a particular strategy by the offense. If you're down by three scores, then you, you really the, the, the nature of the plays that you call are going to change. If you're up by three scores, <coughs> Green Bay, the nature of the game is going to change. So really what we want to do is look at plays in the first three quarters when the score is within eight points. It's a one-possession game when the line of scrimmage is between the 20s and we omit two-minute situations and we're also, for the, the purposes of this exercise, omitting screens. Really what we're trying to do is get to the core concepts that Shanahan likes to draw from and pull from in games when the game is still in doubt. And we're going to use a framework to review these concepts we're going to first kind of give you a big picture of the strategic tendency in that situation. We're going to then drill down to some of Shanahan's favorite concepts or concepts we think are interesting. And then we're going to talk about how those concepts attack defenses specifically. So we're going to pull from some of the other stuff that we've covered in Ski Month already. So if you haven't taken a, if you haven't taken a listen to those episodes, if you haven't watched the Patreon videos, I would highly recommend that you do that because we are going to be using some of that terminology as we talk about the ways that Shanahan attacks uh, defenses. And man, it's, it's varied, it's deep, and, and it's a lot of fun. And so we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about, in, in this episode, first down and third down specifically. And then we're going to get to red zone and some other situations next week. But let's start with, uh, with first down, David, because the big picture is that the Niners are good on first down. This may come as a surprise uh, for a team that went to the Super Bowl, but they they were pretty solid in some base situations last year. So, yeah, again, we're, we want to we want to focus on the things that essentially when Shanahan can call anything on his call sheet and and it really feels like that's open. Um, you know, this is what he's calling, and so the the plays that fit that criteria on first down for us are only seventy four total plays. So it's it's actually not a huge number um, of of times that you're in this situation but again we're, we're very successful um, when these situations did come up they were fourth um, in positive EPA percentage so just the the number of plays that you're generating positive expected points right these are you can just think of this as a, a consistency measure for how often a team is producing successful plays so fourth there um, fourth in in team offense grade by by PFF 10th in EPA per play, which is more measure of explosiveness. So again, whether it's consistency, explosiveness, whether you're looking at how the actual players performed on these, on these plays, um, everything looking very good there. Yeah. First down is always such an interesting down because one of the things that's always stuck in my mind is when we did the review of, of the Brian Billick, how to build a game plan book. 
And and in that, Billick talks about how the best offenses are really good on first and second down. They hardly ever get to third down. First and second down, because you have a lot of the playbook at your disposal, they really are your money downs. And when you look at the, the Niner teams of the 90s that were successful under Steve Young or the 80s under Joe Montana, they were really like super successful on first down because you do have a lot of options at your disposal. You do have a lot of things uh, that really you can you can deceive the defense with. And the Niners lean on that heavily with play action. 60.8% of their plays were play action. That ranked in 10th in the league. League average is about 56%. Uh, and the league leader was the Titans at 79%. So they leaned on play action heavily on first down. And it was very, very successful for them because that that is a down where the defense is like, I'm not sure, run or pass. And deception works in the NFL. That's something that is... is it can't say it enough and, and play action is one of those things that does work and the Niners were able to use it to great effect on first down yeah it, it's it's such a, a great option on first down because like you mentioned defenses are, are in a spot where they have to respect both run and pass right with just the nature of how defenders are taught right now um, if you show them a run fake and, and it's not a situation where they're already predisposed to um, you know, know that you're going to pass. You know, if you, if you try to show a run fake on third and 13, obviously no defender is going to give a shit about it. They're not going to react to it. Um, and, and you're not going to gain anything by running play action there. But whenever the run is still plausible, those defenders have to respect and respond to those run keys because that's essentially what they're looking at to determine what their job is on the play, right? If, if you give them a run read, they have to come up and fill their gap in the run game like they would if it were an actual run. And so um, using play action, something that we obviously know Shanahan loves in general, but using it heavily on first down uh, is, is a very good, effective strategy. And so that brings us to the first concept. The first concept it is named in a, in a way that is apropos for the discussion. It's called <laughs> read. And so uh, what we're going to do is tell you what the concept is, how it attacks coverage, and then kind of go a, a little bit in, in a bit more depth about what that concept does. And so what is read? Well, it's a play pass. When you look at Shanahan's offense, the way that he installs his plays is he, he installs them based on categories for that play. He's got like quick game. He's got play passes or play action passes. He's got movements where the quarterback is on the move. And this is a play-action pass. Uh, and it's one that does not require the quarterback to move. It's just a straight-up play pass. But it, basically, for a, for a play pass, which is what this concept is, the quarterback sets up in the pocket behind the offensive line after the play fake. On a movement play-action pass, he's going to get out of the pocket and on the move. And so you, you, you can visualize these in your head already. You know the movement plays where... Uh, Garoppolo makes the fake and then just starts to roll out to one side and you get the three levels maybe that are running across the field with him. And and this is going to be in the play pass section of his playbook. And it really, it's a day one install. This is something he goes to often, especially on first down. It's play action. Uh, and it's it's a really deceptively effective, although not complex set yeah. of routes that really the Niners deployed a great effect. Yeah, so it's only when you look at the specific routes in this concept, only two routes. And so when we talk concepts, and this is going to be true throughout this episode, the next episode, really whenever we are, are talking about past concepts in general, right, is is kind of the grouping of routes that, that are designed to go together and, and complement each other in some way, right? And so the way that, that Shanahan, and this is this is true of a lot of coaches, college, NFL, like the way that you they structure their passing plays in general is a lot of times they're going to have multiple concepts on the play that the quarterback can go to, usually like one to each side of the field or something like that. And so the, the concept read is going to be these two routes every time. So anytime that, uh, that, that these two routes are going on, we know that this play contains at least partially the read concept. And those two routes are going to be the read route, um, where the concept gets its name, and then just kind of a check down flat route from the back. So as we get into that read route, right, and this is going to be um, a route that sets up a lot of different things within their play pass game. But what we're looking for on that route specifically is so you're going to see the receiver um, take kind of this inside stem. So as he releases off the line of scrimmage, he's going to take sort of an inside path and he's going to look to push vertically. And he's aiming for a landmark down the field about two to four yards outside the hash mark and about 20 yards deep, right? So 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. So that's kind of 
his aiming point as he comes off the line of scrimmage. He's going to push vertically as fast as he can to get to that point. And then as he approaches that stage, as the, the name implies, he's going to have a read that will determine how he finishes that route. His read is going to be the safety. If that safety is flat-footed and he looks like he can get by him, he's going to continue pushing that thing vertical and he's going to run right by him. If the safety, though, is backing up and it looks like he's going to be able to stay over the top of that vertical, he's going to shut it down. And he's just going to stop right there, turn around, show his numbers to the quarterback. And so that, and especially that inside stem part, that's going to be kind of an important thing that we'll touch on a little bit more here in a minute. Um, But that is the, the route that really sets up this whole concept. So you've got an inside stem. It's going to be a route that pushes vertical, and the read is going to be what that defender is doing. Is that defender flat-footed? I'm going to just keep going and run vertical. Uh, Is that defender actually backing up, or or have they flipped their hips at this point to run with me because they think I'm running vertical? Then you sit down, and and you end up getting that ball. Now, this route is often run from what Shanahan calls a book split. And a book split is a good way to remember what a book split is is really the, the numbers are your bookends. So if you're the boundary wide receiver, meaning you're kind of on the, the shorter side of the field, then your, your landmark is going to be one yard inside the numbers. The numbers are your bookends. And if you're the field wide receiver out to the kind of wider part of the field, then your landmark is two yards inside the numbers. So you're always going to be inside the numbers, which is what also allows you to kind of get more of an inside stem and threaten more of the safety and more of the corner. And then... The, the timing is really where the play-action pass comes in because the quarterback's going to turn their back to the receiver, make the fake. By the time they flip back around, at this point, the quarterback and the wide receiver should be on the same page in terms of what they're doing, and then the quarterback has got to be able to make that play. It is, it's, it's simple, but it's very, it requires timing. It requires consistency, and, it, and this is where that quick release from Garoppolo really helps to be able to turn your back to the defense and then flip back around, make the read, be in sync with your wide receiver, and throw that ball. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things, too, that's important when you look at like coaching points for this particular route. One of the things they mention is, is being decisive and aggressive with that read, right? You really want to give the quarterback a clear read as to what you're doing. You can't kind of sit there. Once you're getting to that 15-yard range and you're about to have to make that decision whether you're going to shut it down or not, you can't kind of waffle and and uh, be in between those decisions because the quarterback is going to be making that throw, um, you know, largely as he turns around after the play fake and gets set in the pocket. The timing of it should be that kind of as he hits that back foot and he's stepping up, he should be able to make that throw. He should know what you're doing at that point. And so, yeah, you can't kind of mess around once you're approaching that 20-yard range. You really have to make your read, be decisive, either keep going or shut it down. So you've got the read route, which is a vertical route, and then you've got the flat route underneath it, and that is how it attacks the coverage. It's a two-level vertical stretch versus zone because you're taking the top off the defense or you're stopping, right? And you've got the flat route underneath that threatens and stretches anything down below. And against man, it's great because, well, you've got the read built in. So if you've got man coverage and that man defender is running with you, you stop all of a sudden that defender is wrong or that defender is flat-footed. Let's say that they're playing off coverage and they're flat-footed and they're not sure what to do and they don't really get a good jam and then all of a sudden they're just, they're toast. So against man, it gives you two options. And and so you've got something that's built against man and zone within the same concept. And with the zone stuff, so if you remember back to when we were talking about um, you know coverages and what those underneath defenders are doing, right? Because that's who it's stretching um, is really you know, the underneath defender that would be responsible for, you know, kind of the hook curl area. Um, And if you remember, we kind of talked, as we talked about where responsibilities kind of pass from underneath coverage to deep coverage, it's right in this area, right? So it's, it's kind of no mistake that this route is run to the depth that it's run, right? And that's not only to set up timing with the quarterback, but it is because it's right at that range where if, if you have a zone coverage, say you're playing cover three defensively, that cornerback is still going to be in a spot where he's likely really trying to work over the top, right? You're, you're selling him on the vertical route. He needs to make sure that he's staying over the top of it and not letting you get behind him. So it's going to be difficult for him to, to be able to kind of also shut it down with you and make a play 
on what becomes that like 20 yard stop route if you do shut it down. And at the same time, that's really a lot of depth for an underneath defender to get. You know, we talked about normal depth expectation for those guys is if you can get to that 10 to 12 yard range and really be able to affect the throws more in like the 15 yard depth, you're doing a good job, right? That's kind of the expectation. And so asking that guy to deal with a play fake and also get back to a depth where he can be a factor on a 20 yard throw is, is like a near impossible task for a linebacker. Like it's just not going to happen consistently. So like that, if for some reason he does, well then you've got an underneath route that's got 15 yards of space. And and this is where you start getting into the yards after the catch, where let's say that that flat route, it's oftentimes a check flat route where basically the the running back is going to kind of run through the hole and then run out to the flat. Now you might have someone like uh, Mostert who's going to catch that ball in the flat or McKinnon or Coleman who has speed and can eat up 15 yards of green grass really, really quickly. Um, So if that, if that defender does get depth, well, now you've got that second option built into that concept. And that's why this concept is, again, it seems simple, but it does give you a lot of options versus man versus zone. And you've got various ways to make that defense wrong with just a two-person route. Right. One way, uh, one game in which the Niners did this was in the Super Bowl. First quarter, 31 seconds. Emmanuel Sanders runs this beautifully. It ends up an 18-yard completion. But th- this is a, a concept that the Niners ran all throughout the year and even through the Super Bowl, and it was still remarkably effective. And so, again, this this as a concept is is not that difficult, right? We're talking two routes. Only one route really down the field um, that has any sort of nuance to it. Uh but the, the key thing, and I think why this uh, concept is important and why it's actually like a big part of what they do from a play pass standpoint, they have so many different variations of this route that work off that same stem. So again, that, that inside stem where you're pushing vertically with a lot of speed, really trying to sell that vertical route, getting to that depth where you're at 18 to 20 yards, they have like seven different versions of that route that work off that exact same stem there. So they're when, when you're looking at this from a, a defender's perspective, they're starting with the same initial alignment. Remember that book split inside the numbers. They're starting at that same point. They're taking the same steps and movements off the ball and into the first part of the route as they get, you know, 15, 18 yards downfield. And then suddenly I have seven different variations that I can do off of that. So we've got obviously the two, um, that you've got with the read, but there's all sorts of different routes that'll break different ways um, and that they pair with other routes on the other side of the field to give them, uh, you know, a handful of different concepts that they can run in this play pass game. So while it is um, at its most basic level, like this very simple two-man route with one interesting route on it, they they have just a dozen different things that they can do off of that one look that makes it very difficult for a defense to be able to pick up on what you're trying to do. Now, we're using the word stem a lot, and we're using the word stem because it's it's the initial part of the wide receiver's route before he makes a break one way or the other or continues up, up the field. So when you think of a flower, the flower stem is the front part, and then you get to the flower, which is going to be the, the part of the route after the break. And so that the stem part of the route is going to be consistent whether or not, and these are all routes that build off the same stem in Shanahan's playbook, whether or not you're talking about a read takeoff, a streak, a lock, a read out, a locker, a pylon, or a field post. All different routes with the exact same initial stem. So if you're a defender, you're looking at alignment, you're looking at the initial stem, and you're thinking, okay, I've narrowed down infinity to seven. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's still seven ways to get threatened, and you may not know what it is that's going on. If you're a really experienced defender, you're going to look at what's happening around the other parts of the field, and that will help kind of tip some things off. But even then, it's really difficult for a defender to manage all of that in their mind. And now you begin to see, even on one of the Shanahan's base concepts, the genius of his offense, which is that he gives you a lot of pictures that look very similar, and then at the last second, break into something that it really is. And even then, it has options where... If you are flat-footed, well, then you're going to be wrong. And if you're running, you're going to be wrong. And if you get too much depth, you're going to be wrong. Um, it, it really is quite interesting that, that something this simple is still the foundation of so many awesome things in this playbook. Yeah, and I, I think this like 
this route family, I guess we, if we call it, um, that, that are all these similar routes, right. That, that are based on that same stem is, is probably the one that has like the most depth within his system. But there are a, a ton of other examples of like, you know, two, three routes that, that work the same way. Right. Like there, there are uh, so many routes where you'll have like a short quick game type route. That'll be like, you know, something that, that on its own would break like in that, you know, five, six yard range. Um, but then he'll have routes that kind of return off of that same one, right? There's, there's probably four or five different examples of that in his playbook. And so this kind of theme of, yes, I'm going to take something that, that largely might be pretty simple, um, and is, is pretty common across the league with some of these routes. Um, but then I'm going to just add so many additional layers on it that it makes it very hard for you to get a read on what we're doing as a defender, right? Because it, it, the, the moment you think you've got like, okay, I'm on this stem. The last time he did this, he shut it down. I'm going to be on this as a cornerback and I'm going to be there ready to break this pass up. You start to shut down, you know, a little bit early as the receiver's approaching that point and then boom, he's gone right by it, right? So you're, you're just continuing to show this same picture, but you give your offense so many options there that you just can always be the one that has the advantage. So another concept, because there's a lot of other concepts, not just other routes that are built off of read, right? We talked about read takeoff, streak, lock, that are routes that are built off of the read stem. Well, there are also entire concepts that give you the read concept, but then give you a little bit different route somewhere else or a little different combination of routes that end up in an entirely different concept. And one of them that Shanahan likes is the rider concept. Now, the rider concept is something they ran against the Saints. It's the first play of the third quarter, and Emmanuel Sanders, in this case, catches a crosser because that's the variation for Ryder when you add it on to, to read. So to one side of the field, you're going to have the read, but you're basically going to lock a streak in. You're still going to have your book split by a receiver, but instead of giving you a read, it's just a streak, which is your it's locked. But the stem is exactly the same. You're just clearing things out. You've got that underneath route underneath it. And then from the other side of the field, you take your receiver and you run him across. And now you've got a three-level stretch, not just a two-level stretch, that is going to basically flood a zone on one side. As, and that's a little different than just a two-level stretch when you've got a read built in against man coverage or a read built in against a safety that's not doing their job. And, and so you can see how even though you've got one picture that looks the same on one side, now you just add a crosser on the other side and you begin to threaten a defense on three levels where they may just be expecting two. And it's funny because at that moment you start to think like, okay, well maybe if I'm the safety, right, I get I get a little bit more of a fuller picture. I can kind of keep an eye on routes from both sides of the field, especially because, you know, a lot of times when they're doing this stuff, they're doing it again for more condensed splits. Receivers are aligned inside the numbers, um, so it's like, okay, I see the crosser on the other side of the field. Okay, I think I know what's coming here. But then they've got. There are like two other concepts that build off the crosser and give you another break off that read route, right? Where where you instead of keeping it straight vertical, he might break back to the corner, you know, or he might break hard out to the sideline at a ninety degree angle. So there, everything works together. Everything is designed um, with kind of this intention to give you a similar picture as a defense. Like it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've come across like a similar type of concept where there are just so many different layers, uh, on top of this thing that seems so basic, like that can really seem at times like a one man route. I mean, you've got, yeah, you got the check down flat down there that you can dump it off to, but, but like really you're sending one guy downfield, um, well, but you can play, do a million in- things off it. In the Super Bowl play, you've got what, what we counted them. It was like five or six different guys in coverage, and it looks like it's just Emmanuel Sanders, yeah. and he's wide open. Yep, like, just finding that soft spot because you're pulling that underneath coverage up with the play fake. They've got to at least, you know, they're, they're at least hesitating if not taking a step forward towards the line of scrimmage, and that's all you need. And then you're opening up that intermediate area of the field, the receiver, as long as he does his job. And I think this is another reason why when we talk about, like, the type of receivers that that Shanahan really prefers, right? We, we know that he likes guys with speed. And that's because so many of these routes, especially in the play-action game, um, are, are really built off selling the threat of a vertical route, right? Like, yes, they want to hit that every once in a while, um, but just having that threat and making them think that you might go deep is just another tool to open up the intermediate area where he really wants to go. 
we're recording this on Thursday. Typically, we record on Wednesdays. And part of the reason that we're recording on Thursday is because we we started to unpack this. And you just you're you look at all of this and you're just daunted by the it's so daunting looking at <laughs> yes. all of this and you, you expect to look at one you're like okay cool I've got this read concept and then you, you peel the layers of the onion farther back and then it's four hours later and you're like oh my god I didn't even get to third <laughs> down I didn't get to the red zone stuff I wanted to cover specifically yep. because the, it's just it's a lot of stuff and and it's 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 really fun and interesting to take a look at um, because we again this is we're we're still in the first down section. And we're still in the room. Yeah, we've been going for like 20 minutes on just first down on this one concept. Let's let's talk about third down a little bit because third down is also where the Niners did some really, really fun stuff. But before we get to third down, let's first talk about bet online because sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. You want to hit fast forward to 45 seconds right now. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ori. David, do you know who Harold Reynolds is? Uh, yes, I think so. Baseball Ooh, player? Exa- yeah, baseball I, I player that became i think i know like probably know him more as an announcer if that's the guy that i'm thinking of he became a broadcaster after his playing career you just dunked on me twice you crossed me over i fell over and you're like i know him both as a player and as a broadcaster that's i could also be completely wrong so there's no confidence <laughs> here <laughs> no it's harold landry david harold landry <laughs> uh see see what they have to say uh, on what it'll be like playing without fans in the series they're calling fandemic and that pun never gets old. <laughs> Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your wagering experts. But that's not all, David. We also have DealDash. Have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site because there are dishonest bidding sites out there that tell you you can buy computers for a penny and they lie to you. David, they're liars. They got me. I, I where, didn't know there were dishonest ones. <laughs> where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day in electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. And man, do I want to buy my car off of an auction site like DealDash. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid or the bot does, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon signup on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code BLUEWIRE or DealDash.fm forward slash BLUEWIRE. That's D-E-A-L. D-A-S-H dot F-M forward slash blue wire. I hope you can spell blue wire. Again, you're on your own with blue wire. I'm counting on you. Uh, Don't blue it is all I'm saying. Uh, So let's let's, third down. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do third down. So big picture for third down. We're looking at 64 total plays in our sample. This is another area where the Niners just completely dunked on defenses. They converted a league high. 54.7% of these plays into a first down or touchdown. Basically you like better than a coin flip every single time they had a third down, it was either going to be a first down or a touchdown. That's amazing production. They were first in both EPA per play and positive EPA percentage. And overall their PFF team graded offense on third down was fifth in the NFL. And so basically, as a down, it was another down where they were remarkably successful. And it's another down where they love to attack defenses with vertical stretches in the middle of the field. It it really shouldn't come as a surprise at this point. I mean, we alluded to it multiple times in in the first two episodes. You know, anytime that we could squeeze in a reference to the Niners as we're talking about this more general stuff and, and, you know, what Shanahan likes to do, this was always the point because this is, I think, really 
the the thing that they do better than basically anyone else, right? This is the thing that their offense is really built on is finding those vertical stretches, especially in the middle, the middle of the field. Um, and so it's no surprise that they go to that frequently in these key third down situations. So when you think of one of the concepts, we couldn't pull out a favorite one here that Shanahan liked to go to because once we started unpacking third down, we realized, oh, he doesn't have a lot of tendencies that he's going to give defensive they coordinators. They do a lot on third of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it was honestly, I, I would say it was a little um, presumptuous of us, David, to think that we were going to be able to look at the third down snaps and be like, oh yeah. We can pull out the Shanahan favorites. We can pull out his tendencies. <laughs> I was all excited, man. I'm like pulling up this third down playlist. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And like, I get like five plays in and I'm just like highly stressed out. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get through all of this. Like, we're going to record tomorrow. Like, what is going on? How am I going to do this? The baby's screaming. Ah. Yeah. And, and you're not even playing cornerback at this point. Like, <laughs> imagine, imagine yeah. all of that. Imagine all that, but you could get trucked by Debo at the end of all of this. Like that. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this is not it's not a fun place to be. So we were, we couldn't pick out a, a Shanahan tendency where on first down read is something he did like to repeatedly go to or that family of routes or concepts with with this. We pulled out a couple that we thought would be interesting to talk about ones that made a lot of sense and were consistent with the way that Shanahan liked to attack defenses on third down. And the first concept that we'll talk about is a third and short concept that he repeatedly went to. And that's Lion. What is Lion? Lion is a part of the 49ers quick game package. Now, quick game is all of the three-step drop timing. And, and the Lion concept is really a two-man route combination. It's double slants. It's a classic West Coast offense route combination. It's one you've probably used in Madden. It's one you <laughs> see in Madden. It's one that Bill Walsh made famous and ran often. Uh, it is, and I think Bill Walsh even called it Lion. I think this is one of those play concepts where the name of yep. the play has like persisted from the Bill Walsh playbook all the way through to Shanahan still calling it Lion and Double Slants. A lot of the quick game terminology is still the like original West Coast offense stuff because that was, you know, something that I think was used a little bit more heavily back then than it is now. Yeah. You know, Shanahan doesn't use a ton of quick game stuff, but this is definitely one that they like to go to when they pull it out. Yeah. And so how does it attack coverages? Well, it's a horizontal stretch on the underneath defenders to the two slant side. This is really effective against cover three and cover four, because if you remember when, when you have three deep defenders or four deep defenders, you have lesser or, or a, a fewer number of underneath defenders in those underneath zones. And so when you're attacking both of them horizontally, well, with cover three, you've got four underneath defenders. With cover four, you've got three, and they're trying to cover a lot of underneath zones, and you're hitting them with two slants stretched horizontally, especially if the timing is perfect. And Bill Walsh would have insisted that the timing <laughs> was perfect. Then you throw that ball just a little in front of the receiver, and they are gone. But as is the case, uh, I think, with a lot of these concepts that they like to go to in especially key situations, you know, you want to have options. And, and this is something that also can beat man coverage as well. And so I think this is actually, when you think about third down and short, this is really the situation that the 49ers went to it. Um, you know, the few times that they did kind of pull this up again, you know, again, there's, they, they ran so many different things, but this being one that they went to a handful of times, most often it was against man coverage. And that's because they're really looking to, to kind of get Kittle isolated in a one-on-one -on -one situation, right? They want to um, trust that he's going to be the guy that can win that individual matchup and be able to uh, beat his guy on a slant and, and present a target for Garoppolo. And so I think that's when, when you look at them in third down and short, especially um, you're getting a lot of man coverage. I feel like in that situation anyway, because defenses know that most likely you're going to try to target right at the sticks. They, they know you're going to run something short, right? Third and like, especially third and three, like you're too far away. No defense is really expecting you to run to get three yards, but they know you don't want to get too greedy either and look to get something down the field. And so a lot of times they're playing man coverage because they want to make sure that they have guys nearby these routes that are right at the sticks. And so that's where you really need your players offensively to, to win those individual matchups. And, and it's no surprise that the 49ers go to Kittle a lot in this. 
and you see exactly that in an errors that one of the games against Arizona in the first quarter of the game where Kittle ends up scoring on a touchdown online on a double slam. This is the play where they actually uh, had a clip of this play in his montage for the top 100 where he completely dribbles Buda Baker twice <laughs> in, in one play. And, and this is double slants, right? He ends up kind of just taking the stem a little bit farther out and then breaks back in across the face, catches the ball, and it's off to the races. And and then it's just Kittle doing Kittle things. And, and Buda Baker is like, well, I'm no Jamal Adams, but here I am trying to try. Um, and <laughs> You almost feel bad for him because he gets so owned at the line of scrimmage that you wouldn't have blamed him for just like, all right, I'm done on this play. Like it's over. Like this, yeah. this is a wrap. But he actually like works his ass off and hustles downfield to get back in position to have a shot at and the his, tackle. And his and reward, getting stiff armed like six feet deep, basically just into the <laughs> earth. Oh goodness, it's fun. I love Kittle. Kittle's so fun. So good. Did you see he got he got a Halo tattoo? He got a Master Chief tattoo on his forearm. I didn't. That's awesome. Yeah, love it. It's it's he he loves him some video games. He really does. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that I love, uh, I, there's not a video game I can think of that I love so much so that I would get some version of that video game tattooed on my body. No, but I also don't, I've been so non-committal on something that I do love that much that I have no tattoos. I've wanted to get a tattoo for a very long, th- a long time. Like I'm 33 now and it's just like, it's been 15 years. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but it just never can commit to anything. Yeah, well, that Ren and Stimpy tattoo isn't going to draw itself. Get get to it. <laughs> get to it. Uh, all right, so <laughs> the, the second concept we'll talk about here in this third down area is going to be a third and medium concept, and this is going to be a concept that Shanahan refers to as bow. This is a drop-back concept, so it's not quick game. It's going to be in the drop-back concept family of plays, and drop-back passes are those that use five- or seven-step drop timing. So we've talked about play passes, we've talked about movement, we've talked about three-step or quick game, and now this is the other family of, of plays is drop back, five or seven, five or seven step uh, drops. It's a two-man route combination. You've got basic, which is basically a 12 to 14 yard in-breaking route. Sometimes you'll see this referred to as a dig out in the football sphere. And then you've got an arrow route. And when you combine a basic, buh, an arrow route, you get bow. B-O-W. Again, football coaches, not always the most inventive. But an arrow route is one where you take an inside angle to a depth of about four to six yards and sit down. Basically, just stop. You turn around. Actually, turn your inside shoulder is the coaching point and and show your numbers to the quarterback. Now, against man coverage, you take that momentum, that that move where you take your inside, inside shoulder and turn to the quarterback, and you break outside and separate against man coverage. Another route that has both a zone and man beater built in to just the conceit of the route. And so that is the bow concept. It is the basic route or a dig route at about 12 to 14 yards. And then an arrow route underneath it that breaks infield and then either sits against zone or breaks back outside against man. Yeah. And that's also the order of operations for the quarterback, right? He's going to go basic to arrow, deep to short as he reads that. And then, you know, as we look at how it attacks these coverages, right? So again, a two-man vertical stretch is what we're looking at when you're you're talking about how it attacks zone defenses. And so you've got that underneath defender, right? You're trying to show him that arrow route. You're trying to basically have that defender sit right in front of him is, is really where he's end up going to end up. You want to try to draw his attention up so that you can open the space in the intermediate area for that basic route, right? For that 12 to 14 yard in. And so that's how you're going to attack zone coverages with it. Um, you're, you're always going to be able to throw it basically where that underneath defender is not. And then in man coverage, um, they both routes actually give you some pretty good options against man coverage. Like when you talk about individual routes that win against man coverage, you know, things that that feature some t- like sort of hard break, right? Where, where the receiver has an opportunity to make a cut and separate, those are the, the, the ones that tend to do pretty well against man coverage, right? Um, so something like that basic route, you think about George Kittle on that. Like that's a lot of times the guy that's running that basic route behind. And so in man coverage situations, you know, especially on third down, 
they're going to trust that Kittle can kind of win that route inside and, and get a little bit of separation or make a contested catch with a defender that's on his back, right? And so you have that. But then if it's a little bit shorter, you also have that arrow route that is really good because you show him, again, that inside stem, that inside angle that you're taking, like you're going to almost go across the field, um, which resembles, you know, another concept that they have where they do pair this basic route with like a, a shallow crossing route. Um, and so you're kind of showing that inside angle, like I'm going to go across there. And as soon as that man coverage defender tries to drive on it and take you across the field, you're putting your foot in the ground and you're working your way back outside to separate. And so that, you know, if you get enough separation, you obviously have some run after the catch ability or even in just some, you know, more like third and four to six range, um, that can be a route that you look to target right at the sticks. And it's funny that you mentioned the the kind of drag route with the basic route on top of it, because that is a very common play that lots of NFL teams run. And and it's jumping that route that ultimately cost the Ravens on a play in the in the first quarter with about 1340 to go. The Ravens are in man coverage and you've got Kendrick Bourne, who's on the arrow route. He's on the kind of the backside of the play at the top of the screen if you're watching the play. And he starts to kind of break inside on the arrow route. And the corner thinks he's got it. He like starts coming downfield like he's going to stop that drag route. And then Bourne breaks it back outside. And he gets he, he actually has a really, really good catch. He kind of takes it off the floor. This is one of those wet yep. rain games where the ball's super heavy and it, it's wet. Uh, but he picks it up off, basically off the ground and is able to run for a, a pretty sizable gain uh, after he breaks back outside. All because the, the corner thought it was going to be the drag route. But then he yep. broke it back outside against man coverage, and all of a sudden he's off to the races. Um, another example of the the corner thinking he's going to see one thing, a concept he sees every Sunday from every team, and Shanahan's like, "Nope, just kidding." Yeah, and and again, like with this this bow concept, this is just one example of of really many different concepts that they have that create this same sort of picture, right, for the quarterback, where you're getting that kind of vertical stretch in the middle. You got that high-low read um, that, that you're making there, and they just have a bunch of different ways that they can get to it, right? So you're going to see different routes as that underneath route. A lot of them that are kind of change of direction type routes like that, where you're going to show them maybe a hard cut inside or outside, and then you're going to have the guy put his foot in the ground and work back the, the complete opposite direction, right? So a lot of times that type of thing, and they've got a, a handful of those type of routes, that'll be your short route because you really are, are looking for something that is going to draw the attention of that underneath defender, right? You really want him to react to that route and come up um, and also have something that's going to separate against man coverage. So you're, you're getting that as the underneath route a lot of times. And then you have some sort of intermediate, you know, usually in cut or, you know, they'll do the same thing out towards the sideline with, you know, more of an out cut out, you know, a, an outer, a corner type route um, that gets the same picture though. You're still looking again, high, low, looking to target that intermediate area. Um, that is something that they do a lot just in general, but, you know, especially in, in these key situations on third down. And, you know, we're, we're not going to get too much into the personnel stuff now with this is really a scheme episode and a scheme month episode, but th this is what's so exciting about Shanahan just as a coach because you think about everything that is in line top to bottom. This is why someone like Trent Taylor was drafted because he's got a ridiculous three cone. So if he's going to be running these kind of quick return routes where you need short area quickness to break one way, then break the other, that's yep. the kind of player that you want. This is why being able to separate is one of the things that Shanahan loves in his wide receiver prospects. This is why running after the catch is such a big deal for him because it is the ability to put your foot in the ground and go and change direction and be violent in that movement. That brings you to someone like Debo Samuel. That brings you to someone like Brandon Ayuk. Um, and if Dante Pettis can find his mojo, his mojo again, you know, something that he did when he was playing at a high level at Washington as well. So it really is, you know, Shanahan has a picture of what his offense requires and what the and what the wide receiver needs to do in order to sell the routes that he needs in order to sell his offense and make it go. And and that's, you know, I mean, it's it's what makes this whole thing exciting. It's honestly, it's, it's why the Niners were in the Super Bowl and why they kick everyone's ass on offense, whether it be first down or third <laughs> down. It's like, let's say hey, top five offense in both respects. Yeah, it, it's like it's such an important point. Like, yes, this is scheme month. But but Shanahan, the thing that I think really makes him special. And, and this is the thing that the very best like offensive coaches really do is they have that full picture, right? Like they they have. A, a real plan with how their their 
plays are structured and like how things build off of other things. Like everything has kind of a complement, right? There's not very many like just kind of one-off things that you're doing. Like everything kind of looks a little bit like something else. And so you have, you build these kind of like small families of plays, right? These packages that all have these similarities to them. And then you know exactly what you need because you're doing so many similar things, right? You're running, um, it may be like technically a dozen different routes, but they're also similar, right? They're requiring similar, similar abilities from the players. You know exactly what you need from them from a personnel standpoint, and you can go out and you can target the players that you know are going to fit well in there. And that's why, like, as long as Shanahan's there, I mean, for, for as, as much as, like, we, we try to be realistic about things and maybe point out things that aren't as great, like, uh, more than other places do, like, the thing that we're always going to feel confident in is that the 49ers are going to have a productive offense because Shanahan's just the fucking man. Whew. I'm a, I don't smoke. Nor was I born in the era where, like, having a cigarette after, uh, you know, a, post-co- a post-coital cigarette was a thing. <laughs> but I feel like uh, maybe I need to go refill my bourbon at this point. There you uh, go. Because that, yeah. that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a lot. That we, we wrapped up first and third down this week. Next week, we're going to get to red zone plays. We're also going to have visuals of all the plays that we yes. talked about on this pod on our Patreon with the breakdowns and the plays so you can actually see what they look like in real life thanks again for tuning in it's a, it's one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far digging into the shanahan stuff breaking it open and exposing all the fun stuff that we get to see every sunday to you dear listeners you can always follow me on twitter at better rivals david where can they follow you that will be at pff underscore david we'll see you next week as always go niners <laughs> <laughs>